Hello. Welcome to my new film recording studios, also known as The Kitchen. I know that it's in vogue these days to look at the bookshelves of people giving a talk. Well, you can't do that because my bookshelves are upstairs. And actually, the books are all still in packing cases, as we've only very recently arrived in the house. And I'm yet deciding whether to colour code the bookshelves or do alphabetical order or all that kind of thing. There's been a correspondence about that in newspapers recently. I'll let you know what I decide. As I kick off with this talk, let's pray that God would speak to us, shall we? Join me in a prayer for a second. Father God, thank you that you have good news for us, your children, and we pray that you'd open the scriptures to us. Give us the help and the love that we need and seek and a knowledge of you and your ways. Take what I prepared, please, and use it to your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. In more usual times, I would expect to be preaching from a Bible passage and uh, running through it verse by verse, but I've actually chosen today to tackle a subject. And over the next few weeks, we're going to look together at the very important subject of how we're going to prevail and how we're actually going to grow during this really difficult time in which our world is being shaken. I heard a story, I'm sure it's not a true story, but like most of these jokey stories, they don't have to be true to be fun, about someone who was going on a sponsored parachute jump. It was a free fall jump, and they were told in training, so you jump out of the aircraft when you're told, and pull ripcord number one. Now, if that should fail, count to five and pull ripcord number two. And then when you land, fold up your parachute, doesn't have to be too neat, walk towards the refreshment tent and help yourself to a glass of water or a cup of tea or some coffee. Well, the fellow got more and more nervous as the aircraft climbed higher and higher. His, came, his time came to jump and the instructor said, jump, he jumped, he counted to five, he pulled ripcord number one and nothing happened. He counted to five probably quicker than he'd ever counted to five before and he pulled ripcord number two and nothing happened. And he was heard to say as he hurtled towards the ground, and I bet there's no coffee either. And in our world, which is changing just so much, it feels so often, almost every day, if you dare to look at the newspapers or listen to the radio or watch the television or talk to your friends or look in the mirror, it seems that we're hurtling on the way down. And we could be saying to ourselves, and I bet there's no coffee either. So that's why I've decided that over the next few weeks, we'll be looking together at how do we stand firm in what is increasingly a shaky world, a world which is shaking. And today I want to talk about the topic, how do we grow in the dark as well as when it's light? Because it seems to me that actually, whether we like it or not, most of us have been taken from a way of life we knew how to live, what we might now retrospectively call the sunlit uplands, into the valleys, whether we like it or not. And what does the Bible have to say when we're living in the valley, when we're walking through and experiencing discomfort and suffering? Well, it's not actually surprising that the Bible has a great deal to say because scriptures were written for the most part, for the majority of them, I think, 
not when things were going well, but when things were tough, disorganized, uncomfortable, and full of suffering. When you go to the cinema, you, you and I experience when we watch the telly, we and I know that there's a kind of background music which makes the mood of what we're watching. And I would hazard a guess to know that the background music to most of scripture would be far from comfortable. It would be edgy. It, it would be nervous. It would be jarring. Because most of scripture is written in those kind of circumstances. So let's dive in and consider what we can learn about how to grow when our walk takes us into the dark places. And here's the first point. Just because it's dark doesn't mean that God has gone missing. He's not gone AWOL, absent without leave. I wonder if you've ever noticed a little verse in Exodus, Exodus 20, verse 21, where God says, the people remained at a distance while Moses approached the thick darkness where God was. Wow, that's good to know. The thick darkness where God was. Many a person's story is actually that they encounter God in the middle of incredibly challenging times in their lives, when life was far from going well. In fact, you could view the story that we know as the story of a prodigal son as a story just like that, someone whose life was falling apart, wasn't it? A young man on the run, running away from his home life, running away from the love of his parents, finding himself in a foreign land, in the middle of a depression, made unemployed, searching for a way of life in a complete mess, and at that point decided to make a turning for home. Some years ago, I went on a trip to spend time with a community in Zambia. It was actually in a little place called Ndola. And there was the most fabulous uh, work going on, all emanating from a Christian um, mission station, you could, could call it, in, called the Jubilee Centre. And the man at the hub of all this kind of work, you know, there were schools and health projects, feeding projects, um, was a man called Pastor Lawrence. He was absolutely terrific. And one evening he told us his story and we were, we were just so used to seeing him in leadership capacity of, of an absolutely huge project. We didn't expect his story to begin in jail, that he actually was serving a sentence for embezzlement. He'd previously been an accountant and he, he was uh, sent to jail and you can imagine that jails in Zambia are not luxurious affairs. And he said the only thing that he had was a blanket. And that was stolen from him. And he said in desperation, as it was getting cold at, at night, he cried out and he said, God, if you're there, I want my blanket back because someone had stolen it. And I want my blanket back by midnight. And he told us that five to midnight, the door opened of his cell and somebody threw in a blanket and he caught it and he recognised it as being his blanket. It's a strange story, but there was Lawrence and through that he came to faith in Jesus Christ and his life changed when his life was in the pits. God 
told Isaiah in Isaiah 45 verse 3, I will give you the treasures of darkness, riches stored in secret places, so that you may know that I am the Lord. What he's saying there, God says to Isaiah, there are treasures to be found in darkness. And as I think about that and read it, it strikes me it's both what I want to hear and what I really don't want to hear at the same time. In a way, my preference would be that Christians should grow like sunflowers with the sun on their back, well-fed, watered and standing still and growing tall. But that's really not the process we see in Scripture at all, is it? The people who seem to know God most intimately are those who have suffered, those who have been through the fire, not sat by the swimming pool. I tried to check this out. I went to the part of my book collection in which were many biographies. And as I read through the, the names of the people, I reminded myself that every single one of them were full of stories, I'm afraid, of trials and hardship and suffering. No one grows Christ-like through pampering. You think of all the Christ followers you know best who most resemble Jesus Christ in their character. And I'll wager you that if they reveal the secret walk they have in life, it involves a great deal of suffering. Because that's the way God's chosen to draw us often closer to him. When I was at school, one of the things that we had to do was attend chapel. And I, I resolutely uh, managed to avoid listening to what any of her preachers had to say. And there were two exceptions that I can remember. And one of them was a giant of a man called Richard Fernbrandt. And as he stood in the front of this school talking to 500 or so boys, who mostly didn't want to listen, just like me, he commanded our attention by his presence and captivated us by the stories he told of the appalling suffering and torture that he'd been through because he was a Christian. And it wasn't just the ghoulishness of his stories, it was the nobility of his character and his sheer presence that had credibility and authenticity. And whatever else you were going to say, you might not have gone home and believed his message, as it were, or believed the God that he was following, but you couldn't scoff at it because he'd walk the walk as well as doing the talk. And so it was with the Apostle Paul himself. It was hardly a sheltered life, was it? He could talk about being stoned, shipwrecked, jailed, whipped, made homeless, imprisoned. And he could talk about God's faithfulness throughout all of that. What are these treasures of darkness? Well, just to whip off a few, a new honesty in prayer. When the chips are really down, you don't just say your prayers, you pray your prayers. You cry out to God with all your heart and there's no veneer between you and him. And you draw closer in that way. That's a treasure often found, I'm afraid, in darkness to begin with. Secondly, we discover that when we do that, God is closer than we thought he would be. God is now here as opposed to God is nowhere. And thirdly, trust builds. When God walks you through chapters of darkness and hardship and confusion, 
and you come through, and repeatedly this happens in your life, the next time a challenge or a trial comes, you're all the more ready for it. And it's easier to trust him. Never easy peasy, but easier than it was. Now it's important to say, and this moves me to my second point, that growth is not automatic. It doesn't automatically come when we hit times of trial. Because frankly, you and I know that's God's wallop. We know there are people who turn on God and get angry and bitter and walk away from him in the middle of hardship. And so this is the second point, there is a choice to be made. And will you choose wisely? Will I choose wisely? We need to resolve to turn to God and not to turn on God when the going gets tough. That's the choice. The psalmist writes in Psalm 112, verse 4, Even in darkness light dawns for the upright, for those who are gracious and compassionate and righteous. In fact, it is God himself that keeps us going and growing. Again, the psalmist in Psalm 18, verse 28, You, Lord, keep my lamp burning. My God turns my darkness into light. How does he do this? How? Here are some suggestions. Number one, he walks with me. He walks with you. He walks with us. Very easy reference to remember because it's two, three, four. Can you guess it? Psalm 23, verse four. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I'll fear no evil because you're with me. You'll never walk alone. It's pretty much a theme song of every Christ follower. And in these days, when isolation, I think, is turning out to be one of the real challenges of our time, it's so important to invite Christ to walk with you. Many years ago now, I was at a guest event in a church. We were sitting around a round table, or were 10 of us, and I was sitting next to a lovely guy I'd never met before. We were having a very congenial conversation, and it turned out that his profession was he was an airline pilot. And I asked him, have you ever been in danger? And, he, and it brought out of him a, a remarkable story of being hijacked. And when the plane landed on the ground, the people who had hijacked the plane, uh, they sellotaped him or, or taped him anyway, not sellotaped, they bound him to a chair. And uh, he was in incredible danger, he and the co-pilot. They had... Uh, bombs on the plane and they had pistols and he said they turned the lights out they they um, sat in isolation on the tarmac for a whole day whole night next day and I said to him did, did you did it occur to you to pray in that time and he said no no Rupert I didn't pray and I said well why on earth not and he said well in the good times I never consulted God so I thought it wouldn't be fair to turn to him in the bad times. Now, I've had years to think about what he said to me and reflecting on it, he was wrong. In a strange sort of way, it was pride that stood in the way between him and God. And there is nothing about God which is connected with pride. Jesus would take any of us if we turn to him and say, help. It's not a question of it's not fair turning to him in the bad times alone. The thief on the cross 
as he was dying, turned to Jesus and said, accept me, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus didn't say, oh, what a time to turn to me on your deathbed. No, he said, yes, today I accept you. You'll see me in paradise. There is never a bad time to invite God into your life. God is only as far away as that prayer, Lord, help. And he will come alongside us. And many of us need, if I could put it this way, to press the refresh button. You probably know all this stuff I'm talking about, but are we doing it? Make sure that God is walking with you. That's the first thing, turn to God, not against him. Number two, God has given us a whole team to support us. A whole team, every single one of us. We're not going to get through this alone. No one will. And it's important we never should be alone. The family of God, the church, St Michael's, the family, the community, is here to help one another. And we're going to be working this out week in, week out, how it is we can get through this together. And frankly, for some of us, it seems that what we most enjoyed and appreciated about church has been taken off the menu. You can't mingle before services, you can't sit where you like, we can't sing, we can't chat. So what's left? The collection. Well, don't be fooled. Let me tell you what's left. We're coming together to bring our worship to God and that's very precious. We want to say to him week in, week out, Lord, we love you, we trust you. And come what may, we're going to go on trusting you through thick and thin. I've already referred to Isaiah quite a few times in this little talk, but there's one more reference from him that I want to quote. It seems the kind of challenge that I think we need to remember during this COVID time. Who amongst you fears the Lord and obeys the word of his servant? Let the one who walks in the dark, who has no light, trust in the name of the Lord and rely on their God. That's Isaiah 50, verse 10. Friends, we're going to do this faith walk together. However long it takes, however much it takes out of us, however much we have to adapt, every day I will praise the Lord. He is good every day. His steadfast love endures forever. Don't throw away in the dark what you've learned to love in the light. And don't allow yourself to be separated from the flock. Very often in the lovely nature films that we see with incredible photography, you will find a predator going hunting after its prey. And most often it's looking for that one animal that strays from the pack. And we know that people, well in these films, animals, that are on their own are easy pickings. And Peter in his first letter uses a similar kind of picture. He says, your enemy the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking out for whom he can devour. Don't let that be you. I've made it my business in, in the last over 10 years, to always be part of a small group. I'm still part of a small group, but meet fortnightly. And at the moment, we're meeting over Zoom, which I know is not ideal, but it's a lot better than nothing. So I want to urge you, if you're a member of St. Michael's Chester Square, and you're not yet in a small group, start a new innings 
just as I'm starting a new innings, get in contact with Ruth Williams. She's the person who uh, connects people with small groups. Uh, contact details will come up on the screen, but it's basically getting in contact with the church office. And two final points quickly as I come to a close. Another way to grow in the dark, as well as in the light, is to improve your serve. Service will keep us connected. I've known and discovered all sorts of imaginative and inventive ways that people have taken up of serving during this COVID time. One person I know, at the beginning of this period of lockdown, quite some months ago, realised quickly that isolation could be a problem for some people he knew, so he made a long list of people that he'd met from a distance in the past and started to ring them up, three people a week, and would say, hello, my name's Martin, we met before at such and such a place, and we've got time now, and I just thought I'd ring you and try and catch up with you, get to know you a bit better. But the subtext, which he never said, was, because I fear that you could get lonely, and I want to make sure that never happens to you. Other people you could ring up, or write to, or send a present to, find a way of expressing, I'm here for you, and I care for you. Not in a cringy way, but in a way that says, I'm determined that whatever's going on, we're not gonna fall apart or be parted. And lastly, we need to learn to look up when we're in the valleys. Because the Lord reigns. The Lord still reigns. I love to remind myself, they don't play musical chairs in heaven. The King of Kings and Lord of Lords is always the Lamb of God upon the throne. And he's not resigning anytime soon, or as a point of fact, he's never resigning. The Lord reigns. We look to him. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness hasn't overcome it. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So let's follow him together. Would you join me in a quick prayer? Father God, thank you that you will never leave us or desert us. You will never leave us in darkness. You will always be the light of our world. So help us to turn to you, not away from you. Help us to support one another. Help us to grow in the dark as much as we ever have in the light. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.